Thank you, Brother Ryan, for doing a wonderful job for leading us in our singing this morning. Thank you to all of our men. We had a wonderful job, a fantastic job in leading us and our worship to God. We certainly appreciate, appreciate you. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want you to take it out and go back uh, to a book we studied from this morning. It is a book that we're currently reading in our daily Bible reading schedule this year. It's the book of Proverbs, where you go in your Bible to Proverbs, the 15th chapter. Proverbs chapter 15, I promise you in a few minutes from now, we're going to make reference to a verse there in Proverbs 15. As you turn there in your Bible, get ready to study this morning. I want to begin this lesson by asking you a question. And my question I want to ask you is this. What, what is on your mind? What is on your mind this morning? What is currently consuming your thoughts? What is currently pulling away at your focus right now and, and maybe cause you to struggle a little bit, to pay attention as we gather together in this place to worship God? What's on your mind this morning? I know that some might suggest that, that is really not the kind of question that a preacher should want a, a crowd to answer. You know, as a gospel preacher, I would like to believe that everybody here right now in this place is, is thinking about God. Thinking about the word of God and worshiping God, ready to just pay attention and, and hang on to every word I speak as I preach this morning. As a preacher, I would like to be optimistic and believe that, but I'm not going to be naive. I'm not going to be naive enough to believe that everybody here this morning is 100% focused. In fact, the reality is, the reality is there, there are probably a lot of people here this morning who have all kinds of things racing through their minds right now, maybe even some things that have very little to do with what we're supposed to be here doing. For example... Maybe as I stand before you this morning, you're also trying to figure out where you and your family are going to go and, and eat lunch after church this morning. And maybe you're also trying to process an argument that you and your spouse had earlier this morning. And maybe you're also thinking about a, a sick family member and a big project you got to complete for work or at school. And maybe you're also thinking about some, some financial issues that you're currently struggling with in your life. Let's just be honest about it this morning. As human beings, as human beings, we can be somewhere physically, but somewhere else mentally, right? Let's just be honest. As human beings, we can be in this place right now but have an avalanche of thoughts filtering through our minds. We could be listening to what a preacher is saying from the pulpit while at the same time literally thinking about a hundred of other, other things that's going on in our lives. You see, that's how powerful our minds are. That's how complex our minds are. That is why God spends so much time in his word, giving us instructions about how to protect our minds and what to think about and even on what to do when unsolicited thoughts pop into them. 
You see, God knows just how powerful our minds are. God knows that one of the main places that the devil wants to attack and corrupt is our minds. This is why in his word, which is the Bible, God tells us exactly how to protect our minds. He tells me how to protect my mind. He tells you how to protect your mind. How do we protect our, our, our minds according to the Bible? Well, if we're going to protect the most powerful thing we possess in this life, and that's our minds, then the first thing we got to do is we got to protect them by remembering that God can see them. We got to remember that God can see our minds. God can see our thoughts. Let me ask you something. What if there was an invention out there? What if there was an invention out there that could clearly show other people what you're thinking? For example, what if they created? What if they created a machine that had a headset that was attached to a monitor, and after having that on for about 12 hours, later people could come and turn on that machine and scroll through all the mental images that you've had during that length of time. If Microsoft or Apple came up with something like that, would you be interested in buying that? Would you be interested in purchasing a machine like that? Would you be interested in buying something that would literally be able to show the people that you love what's been on your mind? How would things go in your home if you had something like that in it? Would this kind of invention lead to pleasant and just wonderful evenings with your spouse? Maybe it would. Maybe or maybe it wouldn't. Maybe with this machine, you might get a lot of love deposits put into your love bank. Maybe your spouse will be able to see you've had all kinds of nice and warm and, and fuzzy thoughts about them over the past few hours. Or maybe they would be able to see that you've been thinking about somebody at work in an inappropriate way. Or maybe they may be able to see the hateful thoughts that you had towards them whenever they made you mad. Or maybe they may be able to see what you really feel like when they asked you, hey, what do you think about this new hairstyle I'm trying? <laughs> you see, while there is no invention like that on this earth yet, let us understand that in heaven there is something like that going on. In heaven, there is an ability to do what I just described. In heaven, there is an ability to see exactly what we're thinking about. In Proverbs 15, verse number 3, what does that verse say? It says, the eyes of the Lord are where? In every place, every place, watching the evil and the good. The idea there is God can see everything. He can see everything we do. He can see every action we take. He can even see our thoughts. He can see what we're pondering on throughout each day. The Hebrews writer puts it this way, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 13. In Hebrews 4 and verse 13, the Hebrew writer says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things, A-L-L, -L, all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The Hebrew writer says the same thing as Solomon. And then in John chapter 2, in John chapter 2 and verse number 25, the Bible says that even when the Lord was on this earth, he knew 
what was going on in men. The idea there is he knew exactly even what men were, were thinking about. Jesus created our minds, and so naturally he would know exactly what's going on in them. Now, I want you to go back to the scripture reading this morning. Go back to Philippians chapter 4. Remember, we read this morning from Philippians chapter 4, and I want to take close attention to or pay close attention to verse number 8. In verse number 8, notice how Paul says there in verse 8, he says that as people who are supposed to be holy and set apart for the purposes of God, God expects us, he expects us to, to think in the right kind of way. Paul says that as people who've been washed by the blood of Jesus, God has high expectations for the way that we, that we think. He has high expectations for my thoughts. He has high expectations for your thoughts. Notice he says that God expects us. He expects us to have pure thoughts. Honorable thoughts, you see that? Good thoughts, noble thoughts, just thoughts. We've got to have all these kinds of thoughts just like our Heavenly Father exemplifies those things. The Apostle Paul offers a similar thought when saying that God has high expectations for our thoughts. When he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 5, that we have a responsibility as Christians to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The idea there is God wants us to understand he has high expectations for our thoughts. He wants to take those thoughts captive. And then in Proverbs 4 and verse 23, going back to Proverbs 4 and verse 23, Solomon admonishes us to watch over our hearts. Now, whenever the Bible usually talks about the heart, it's not talking about this thing right here that pumps blood. Instead, it's talking about this. It's talking about this thing right here that controls everything that you do. Solomon says, watch over your heart or your mind with all diligence. Why? Because from it flows... The springs of life. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Proverbs 4, 23. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. In all of those verses, God is telling us the same thing. He's telling us that, that he expects us to think on the right kinds of things. He expects us to think on holy things. Pure things. Noble things. Just things. Thinking on those kinds of things will only elevate us to a higher plane of living. Thinking on those things will only promote in us a higher sense of, of godly and moral character. Thinking of those kinds of things will only make us better people, and it's going to help keep our hearts and our minds focused on the right kinds of things, which are the things of God. You see, if we're going to protect our minds, then we've got to remember that God can see them. That's where it starts. We also got to understand that God has high expectations for them. He has high expectations for the things we process and we ponder on all throughout the day, every single day. But in addition to remembering those things, we got to also remember this, that God demands that we control them. God demands that we control our, our thoughts, even though, and I understand this, even though it can be extremely difficult for us to do this, God expects us to monitor very carefully the things that we're thinking about. God expects us to understand that the things we think about, 
have a direct impact on the things we do. In other words, usually the things that we're processing and pondering all throughout the day, those kinds of things are usually the exact things we wind up doing. Go in your Bible to Matthew chapter 15, please. If you don't believe me when I say that, at least believe what Jesus says in, in Matthew 15 and verse 18. In Matthew 15 and verse 18, Jesus says, But the things that proceed of the mouth, the things that proceed out of the mouth, come from where? From the heart. Again, Jesus is using the word heart here in the same way that Solomon uses it in Proverbs 4 and verse 23. When Jesus talks about the heart here, he's not talking about this thing that pumps blood. He's talking about the mind. He's talking about the thing that controls everything that we do. He says, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart or the mind come evil thoughts, murderers, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanderers. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands, which was something Jesus did, to, and he was breaking a tradition of the religious leaders. Jesus says to eat with unwashed hands. That doesn't defile the man. I want you to notice where Jesus says sin, sin originates. Notice where Jesus says sin usually starts with a human being. According to Jesus, sin usually originates or starts from within. It starts within the heart. It starts within the mind. Jesus says that the things that we got going on in our hearts or our minds determine our character and whether or not we're, we're truly trying to be holy before God. That's what Jesus says there in those verses. And I want to suggest that the Lord's teaching there, along with Paul's teaching back in Philippians 4 and verse 8, that challenges us. That blows away the notion that some people have that it is impossible for us to, to control our thoughts. That blows away the notion that it's impossible for us to control what's going on in our minds. I mean, think about it. Think about it. If it were impossible... If it weren't possible for us to control our thoughts and our minds, then why in the world would we have these kind of verses found in the Bible? Why in the world would we have the words of Jesus in Matthew 15? Why in the world would we have the words of Paul in Philippians 4 and verse 8, where Paul tells us exactly the kind of stuff we need to be thinking about? Why in the world would we have the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, when he clearly tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? Why in the world would we have those kind of verses in the Bible if we could not control our thoughts? I mean, are we to believe, really believe that God is in the business of giving us instructions that are impossible for us to obey? If that was the case, then why in the world would he send Jesus into the world to die on the cross in the first place? I mean, if God wanted us to be lost that bad, then why in the world would he send his son into the world to go through all the terrible things he went through on the cross? If it were impossible for us to obey God and be saved by the blood of Jesus, why? Do we find these kind of scriptures all throughout the Bible? I don't know about you, but to me, that doesn't make any kind of sense. I don't read about that kind of God in my Bible. In my Bible, I don't read about a God 
who gives us a standard that is impossible for us to attain. Instead, in my Bible and in your Bible, I read about a God who gives us instructions that we can do. We can do the things God says. We can discipline ourselves. We can control our thoughts. We can have self-control. We can make sure that we discipline ourselves to not dwell on things that run contrary to his will. We can replace unsolicited, ungodly thoughts with the kinds of thoughts that bring him glory. We can do that. If we couldn't, then Jesus would have said otherwise. We can think on the right kinds of things. In fact, that's the next thing that I want to talk with you about this morning, if I can do that. Now that we spend some time talking about the need to protect our minds, I want to just spend the remainder of this lesson talking with you about the kinds of things, the kinds of thoughts that need to actually be flowing through our minds. I want to talk with you for the next few minutes about some righteous thoughts. I want to talk with you about some good thoughts. I want to talk with you about some biblical thoughts. I want to talk with you about some very specific things that as Christians, we all need to be pondering on and processing in our minds every single day. And if we do that, guess what's going to happen? We're going to have the kind of minds that Jesus wants us to have. We're going to have the kind of minds that ultimately bring him glory. And so what are some righteous thoughts that we need to be having in our go through our minds every single day? Well, how about we... How about we begin by mentioning this right here? How about we begin by saying that one of the things we need to be thinking about every single day is we need to be thinking about Satan. We need to be thinking about Satan. We need to be thinking about the devil, the evil one. That's what we need to be thinking about every single day. And I know someone's thinking right now, Sean, that sounds ridiculous. Sean, that sounds nuts. I mean, how can you say as a preacher that that we need to be constantly thinking about the devil? How could you say that's something that needs to be going through our minds all the time? Well, my friends, the reason why I say we need to be constantly thinking about the devil every single day is because guess what? He's constantly thinking about us. He's constantly thinking about me. And he's constantly thinking about you. He's constantly stalking you. He's constantly watching you. He's constantly studying you. He, his, his primary mission is to be your greatest enemy and to completely sever your relationship with God. That's the truth about the matter. And so let me give you some verses to back this up. In Luke 22, in verse number 31. In Luke 22, in verse 31. Jesus told the apostle Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan or the devil has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Notice how Jesus told Peter that the devil was after him. He told Peter that the devil was thinking about him and stalking him. Whether or not Peter was thinking about the devil was irrelevant. Jesus wanted him to know the devil was certainly thinking about him. And you put that with what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, where Paul says, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not, as Christians, we're not ignorant of his schemes. Notice how here in this verse we see very clearly that the devil is intelligent. Satan has great intelligence. He has enough intelligence 
to have schemes, to have plots, to have plans. Paul here is saying that you need to be thinking about the devil. You need to understand that God doesn't want you to be ignorant of his schemes in your life. And then remember this verse we looked at this morning, 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Peter says to Christians, be of sober spirit. We talked about this idea of being sober this morning. Be on the alert. Alcohol doesn't help us do either one of those things. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Notice how Peter describes Satan in that verse. Notice how in that verse, Peter describes Satan as an adversary. He describes him as an enemy. He compares him to the king of the jungle, a roaring lion. He describes him as a spiritual beast who is constantly seeking to spiritually devour the people of God. That is how the inspired writer describes Satan in that verse. And let me just ask you, how often do you think about that? As you go about your daily life, how often do you really, how often do you really stop and think about the devil? I got a fear. I got a fear that for so many Christians, they hardly ever think about the devil. I got a fear that far too often for Christians, our minds are far too consumed with work and school and paying bills and money and retirement and saving for our kids college and playing sports and going to sporting events for our kids and we're worried about what's going on in washington dc I, I have a fear that far so often far too often we have our minds so consumed in those kinds of things that we hardly ever stop for just a moment and realize that we got somebody out there who just hates us we got somebody who's watching us we got a spiritual being who despises us and he's powerful and he's not going to stop at nothing until he utterly destroys us and destroys our family. How often do you think about that? How often in your daily life do you ever just stop and think about Satan? If you're the kind of person, if you're the kind of Christian who hardly ever thinks about Satan in your daily life, then I want you to know something, okay? I want you to know you're doing exactly what Satan wants you to do. I want you to know that you're living exactly the kind of life that he wants you to live. I want you to know that the devil could care less if you're thinking about him. He could care less if you're thinking about his plots and his schemes. He could care less about you giving the credit for the spiritual pitfalls you fall into in your life. He is just content with bringing you down. He doesn't care if he gets the credit. He doesn't care if you think about him. He doesn't want you to think about him. The question is, would you give him what he wants? Will you live your life oblivious to him? And oblivious to his work that's going on around you every single day. Will you do what the devil wants you to do? Or will you challenge yourself to constantly be mindful of him? To constantly think about him. To constantly be looking for his work that may pop up in your life. I want to suggest that if you can challenge yourself to constantly be thinking about the devil, it's going to help you dramatically in your walk as a Christian. It's going to help you dramatically.
For example, for example, let's say I get angry with somebody on my job. Let's say I got somebody on my job right now that's just getting on my nerves, and very soon I'm about to just let them have it. They have been bothering me for several months, and I'm about to lose my temper with them. If I find myself in that kind of situation on my job, you know what I need to do? I need to pause for a moment or two, and I need to think about what's really going on here. I need to think about what's really going on in this situation. I need to stop and think about how this situation is really not about this conflict between me and my coworker. Instead, this situation is really about a conflict between me and Satan. This situation is really about a conflict between me and that spiritual roaring lion. This situation is really about me in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, where Paul says, be angry and yet do not sin and do not give the devil a what? An opportunity in your life. That's what this situation is really all about. And I need to stop and think about that sometimes. I need to stop and think about Satan. Whenever I find myself about to lose my temper on my job. And I also need to stop and think about Satan whenever I'm tempted to engage in some juicy gossip with somebody. Or look at something ungodly on my television or computer or make friends with somebody who has morals that run completely counter than mine as a Christian. Or when I'm tempted to go too far with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Or when I have bitterness and jealousy in my heart that's about to manifest itself out in my actions, or even when I'm tempted to, to drink some alcohol like we talked about this morning. My dear friends, it doesn't matter what situation of temptation we find ourselves in. You know what we need to do? We need to always challenge ourselves to be thinking about Satan. We need to challenge ourselves to always be mindful of his work and his schemes, and his presence, and how he's constantly trying to use all kinds of different avenues to sever our relationship with God. If we have Satan constantly on our minds, then it's going to be hard for him to trip us up. It's going to be hard for him to catch us off guard. It's going to be hard for him to cause us to fall into some spiritual pitfall that he puts in front of us. As a Christian, it is a righteous thing for me to always be thinking about Satan. And you know what else is a righteous thing for me to think about? It's also a righteous thing for me to think about, to always be thinking about serving. Serving, you know, here at Monte Vista Church of Christ, it's no big secret that we like to talk quite a bit about serving, serving God, serving other people, and, and rightfully so. That is a biblical, Biblical concept is something that is found all throughout the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a big part of being a Christian. And so go in your Bible to Philippians chapter 2, please. We're going to Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse number 3. We're going to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse number 3. And Paul says, do nothing as a Christian. Do nothing. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind. Notice the idea, humility of your mind. 
Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude. Some of your translations may say, have this mind, right? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Notice the kind of mindset that Paul says that Jesus carried with him in his daily life. Do you see it? Notice how according to the Apostle Paul, when our Lord was walking on this earth 2,000 years ago, he carried with him the mind of a servant. He had the mindset of a servant. He had a mindset that led him to teaching people and healing people and literally washing people's feet and ultimately it was a mindset that led him to giving his life on the cross for, for the sins of the world. Jesus carried with him the mindset, the mindset of a servant. And let me tell you something. If we're really going to be his people, if we're really going to be his disciples, then guess what? We got to think like him. We got to develop minds like Jesus, we got to rid ourselves of selfish thinking. Arrogant thinking, thinking that says, what are people going to do for me? How are people going to serve me? How many people this week are going to call me and, and check on me? How many people are going to compliment me? Whenever I do something good, how often are people going to invite me in their home this year? If we're really going to be followers of Jesus Christ, then we got to rid ourselves of that thinking. We got to cut that thinking out of our lives completely. We got to get rid of that selfish and self-absorbed kind of thinking that our culture is immersed in. And we got to develop the thinking of a servant. We got to develop the mind of a servant. We got to begin each and every day totally focused, totally focused on not what other people can do for us, but what can I do for other people? What can I do for my spiritual family? What can I do for my brothers and sisters in Christ? What three people do I need to call and encourage this week so I can help fulfill the goal that our shepherds have set for us to be part of spiritual community building in this place. What three people do I need to, to call and try to contact this week? Do you start your day thinking about that? Who do I need to contact? Who's grieving in this place? Who's sick in this place? Who's about to have a surgery soon? Who's battling depression? Who's battling anxiety? Who needs some encouragement? Maybe I need to go to the member section of the Monta Vista website so I can find out exactly who those people are and what their needs are and so I can pray for them. So I can send them a card or a text message. So I can maybe send them a social media message. I got to have that kind of mindset all the time if I'm going to be like Jesus. I got to have a mind of a servant. I got to be constantly thinking about serving the wonderful people here in this place. But I don't just need to be thinking about serving them. I also need to be thinking about serving the lost. I also need to be thinking about Fulfilling the great commission that Jesus has given me as a disciple as I go throughout my day each and every day. I need to be thinking about that neighbor 
that I stop and talk to every single day after my evening jog. And I need to be thinking about that coworker that I have who is my friend. And I need to be thinking about that cashier at Fry's who's always nice to me. And I also need to be thinking about that family member that I love so much, but they're not a Christian. They haven't had their sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. I mean, right now they're currently on a, on a path that's going to lead them to damnation and hell. I got to be thinking like that all the time. I got to be thinking about all these lost people that I come into contact with and I have relationships with every single day. In fact, not only do I need to be thinking about all of these lost people, but I need to be doing something for them. I need to be praying for them. I need to be praying to God for an open door of opportunity to teach them the gospel. I need to go home today. And write down all the names of all the lost people that I know, and I need to put that in a place in my house where I'm going to see it all the time. Doing that will constantly remind me that these people are lost. These people are not Christians. I need to do something to help these people, teach them the gospel before it's too late for them. I need to do that kind of stuff. I need to be thinking about Satan. And I need to be thinking about serving, serving my spiritual family. Serving the lost in the highest possible way by teaching them the gospel. And then the third thing, the third thing that is a righteous thing for me to think about as a Christian is scripture. I need to be thinking about scripture. I mean, I hope we can all agree that as disciples, scripture is something that, that needs to be going through our minds all the time, right? When you go in your Bible to, to the 119th Psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is a chapter that is exclusively devoted to exalting and praising the Word of God. And in Psalm 119, I just want to show you a couple of verses here. Psalm 119 in verse number 9. Psalm 119 in verse 9. Watch this, young people. The Bible says, how can a young man, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word, the word of God. Verse 10, with all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart. Remember, heart is synonymous with mind. Your word I have treasured in my heart or my mind that I may not sin against you. Notice how in addition, in addition to having the word of God written down somewhere on a scroll, the psalmist here says that the word of God was also in his heart. It was also in his mind, question, how did it get there? How did it get in his heart? How did, he, did it get into his mind? Well, the answer is very simple. The way that the scriptures got in his heart or his mind was through constant studying. Through constant reading, through constant meditating and, and trying to process the scriptures very carefully. That's how the word of God got into his mind. And that is why we've been trying to emphasize daily Bible reading so much in this place for the last couple of years. That is why we read the whole New Testament last year. 
and why we're trying to make our way through the wisdom literature this year. The reason why we emphasize Bible reading so much in this place is because we understand that the more we read our Bibles, the more the scriptures get planted into our hearts. The more the scriptures get planted into our minds, the more we are filling up our minds with godly wisdom and godly information that will help us battle the devil every single day. Bible reading is a great tool to constantly make sure we are planting the, the word of God, the scriptures in our minds. In fact, beyond just reading the word of God. Another tool that can help us always be mindful of what the scriptures are saying is to do what Moses told the Israelite parents to do in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and that is write the scriptures down. Write the scriptures down. Go home today and write down some of your favorite scriptures on a little sticky note. And you put those sticky notes on your fridge or on your bathroom mirror or on the dashboard of your car or maybe even on your desk or your cubicle at work. My wife has actually been doing that kind of stuff, literally, for the last few years. In the various houses that we've lived in over the last few years, I've come across a lot of sticky notes. I've come across sticky notes all over the place. The bathroom, the car, the kids' bedroom. I mean, they are literally all over the place. She's been writing scriptures down on sticky notes and placing them everywhere. And you know why she does that? She does that because she says it helps her. It helps her keep the word of God constantly on her mind. It helps her memorize scripture. It helps her stay mindful of the will of God for her life. It helps her be equipped to overcome some stumbling block the devil may try to put before her on a particular day. My wife doesn't just read the scriptures, but she literally writes down the scriptures. And I want to suggest that maybe that's something that we all need to do. But I just want you to see is while there are many things that occupy our minds on a daily basis, there's just some things we got to think about. You see that? As Christians, I don't care what we got going on in our lives, we got to be thinking about Satan every day. And we got to be thinking about serving our spiritual family and the lost. And we got to be thinking about the scriptures. These three things right here, these are righteous thoughts. These are good thoughts. These are the kinds of thoughts that if we think about them constantly, they're going to help us stay focused on the right kinds of things and please Jesus at a very high level. In fact, maybe you're here this morning, you realize you hadn't been doing that. Maybe you realize you hadn't been pleasing Jesus. Maybe you realize that you haven't been pleasing Jesus in your mind or in your actions. If so, then I want you to know that it doesn't have to stay that way. I want you to know that this morning you can have a humble heart just like Brother Chris had earlier. And, and, and you can get your life back on track. You can get things right with God. You can repent. You can be restored into a right relationship with him. Or if you've never responded to him at all, you can also do that today. You can believe in him. Repent of your sins. Confess your, your faith in Christ and, and obey his commandment to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. 
ultimately life should be all about pleasing. Jesus the Christ. Now, there's someone here this morning who needs help with that in any way at all. And we're going to invite you to the front while we stand, while we sing.